On this edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast, we talk all things Utah Utes. Kyle Whittingham stops by for a Utah by five segment to talk about the spring game and the Hayes Tough Foundation, which will be honored at this year's game. Wear gold, Ute fans. That and more on the Deseret News Ute Insiders podcast. Hi, this is Utah sports writer Jim Burton, author of the new book, Sidelined, a behind-the-scenes look at some of my favorite sports stories. It's available on Amazon, and you are listening to the Deseret News Ute Insider Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. Dirk Facer and Trent Wood here to talk all things Utes. Trent, how are you? I am good. How are you, Dirk? Good. Let's talk basketball. We haven't seen any basketball locally for a while since nobody went to a tournament around here. Uh, how do you surmise things uh, maybe in the rearview mirror a few weeks out now? I mean, be careful saying nobody because Utah State fans will be very upset. True. Well, I'm but, talking just Utes. Yeah, Utah, just, Utah men and women. just the Utes, yeah, nobody went. And, I mean, obviously... Obviously disappointing to not go to the NCAA tournament for both for both teams, but I also don't feel like this year was an abject disaster for either, if that makes sense. Both had solid years. Both had moments that people will not forget, like Parker Van Dyke's game winner over UCLA and Utah's women's start to the year, but right. obviously the end was a little disappointing. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about it a little before the show, but you know, in past years, there was always, well, at least it went to the NIT, but now... That didn't happen either, and there's no talk of the CBI or CIT. Do you think that's because they're in the Pac-12 now and things? you look at things a little different and Pac-12 teams or Power 5 teams don't necessarily go to the CBI or the CIT? Yeah, I feel like that probably plays into it for sure, especially for the men. I think the women, it was more they were just exhausted and there was no reason to keep playing basketball. And they didn't have enough players, yeah. really, did they? They probably would have recruited you and I to do a little uh, practice. Probably wouldn't have helped, but yeah. I wouldn't have helped, but <laughs> at least you can get up and down the floor. Um, you know, maybe in, in light of of the tournament net, some players for the Utes, obviously, Jakob Pertl and Kyle Kuzma and DeLon Wright have played pretty well down the stretch. I know uh, Kuzma's been hurt, but he's had a good career so far with the Lakers, but uh, um, Jakob Pertl's playing well, and DeLon Wright has really come on yeah, well he's in Memphis. Does that show you that at least Utah is getting NBA-quality players? Yeah, I mean, they at least have some, and obviously not on par with some other schools that you'd look at, like a Kentucky or something like that. But for sure, having three contributing NBA players, I think that speaks a lot to what Larry's doing at Utah. Do you think that that can continue? Obviously, they've gone three years now without making the NCAA tournament. I imagine each year they don't make the tournament. That hurts recruiting a little bit. But the track record shows he can get NBA-quality players to Utah. Yeah, I think the question is who's the next one, because like you said, they haven't made the tournament in three years, and you have to be able to get those NBA potential players, and I don't know who the next one that they're going to have is. And so maybe that would be the one negative of looking at the recent stretches. They haven't had one of those NBA guys. What about, you know, if we're trying to look at the current state of the program, obviously this week there was news that Jace Johnson's entered the NCAA transfer portal. He was playing a pretty good basketball at the end of the year, getting a lot of double-doubles and uh, really doing well on the rebounding. Um, How big of a blow is that to Utah if he ends up leaving? I mean... It's interesting because don't they have two seven-foot recruits coming in? I know they have Matt Van Coleman from Pleasant Grove, and I think they have another kid coming in as a freshman who's also Yeah, they have a guy named Lahat uh, Chun who was, uh, broke his foot uh, during training camp, okay. and he's a recruit, so he kind of uh, sat up for a medical redshirt this past year. But, you know, he's 6'11 and got a lot of promise in that. So, you know, and they also have uh, Brandon Carlson, a return missionary from Bingham High School. He's only 6'9, but he's a pivot type of guy. So they have... 
three bodies they can throw in there. Yeah. But, you know, Jace Johnson obviously was coming on strong and doing some good things. And, you know, this thing hasn't been totally determined yet. He's put his toes in the uh, portal to see what interest is there. But he has one year of eligibility remaining. Do you think if he doesn't come back, the Utes will be okay considering they've got three post players maybe to replace him? Yeah, and I think college basketball has kind of gone away from the post anyway. And those big guys are just rim runners and screen setters. And obviously right. he was doing good at that and his rebounding especially. But I feel like if there's a position that they could overcome losing a player, it's probably that position because there aren't going to be a ton of teams that are throwing 6'10", 6'11", juggernauts who are just going to destroy you in the post. That's no longer basketball. So, All right, but, you know, And then they have guys like Timmy Allen and, you know, the three, part of the three freshmen that played a lot last year. Yeah. You think there's still reason for optimism? Because I look on paper and I have to think that given the state of the Pac-12 right now, Utah's in pretty good shape, especially with some of the recruits coming in and that. They're in pretty good shape as compared to the other teams in the Pac-12. Would you agree? Or? Yeah, I mean, their wing position, like you talked about, is great. And as long as none of those kids go in the transfer portal, I feel like Utah fans should be pumped for next year because those right. guys are really set for them in the wing position, which is probably the most important position in basketball now. Point guard's a little bit more concerning. I don't know who it's going to be. And then, obviously, center, you have some depth issues if right. Jace Johnson well, leaves. Ryland Jones from Olympus that's is true. supposed to be the, the guy to come in and take over that point guard position. Yeah. So, and, you know, you, I don't know if you'd had a chance to see him play Olympus. I've seen a couple. Um, I just saw a game or two on TV in the state tournament, but uh, he obviously, they're high on him, and his dad's obviously part of the staff up there, and he speaks highly of his own son, which most dads do, but... Uh, most. Sounds like he could be a good one, but, you know, they've got the answers, and if, you know, if they get uh, Lahat to come in and be the starting center, if Jace doesn't come back, at the three freshmen, you got, you know, replacing Cedric Bearfield will be, you need somebody that can get you 20 points on a consistent yeah. basis, but, you know, uh, they have some guys in the program, Gaskin and that, that have probably be able to step in and, and fill those roles. So I think there is reason for optimism and maybe especially considering just the way the Pac-12 is kind of a mess right now. Yeah. And then uh, Washington and Oregon and uh, we'll see who the who the uh, leaders of the Pac are, but uh, we got a few months to chill on that one. So Yep, that is true. Now speaking of chill, we got football going on. This is the last week of football. The, the spring game is Saturday. last two practices are this week. Jen, you've been up there a few times with, with me. There's, it's kind of hard to get a gauge on things because players like Britton Covey and aren't playing in that. But you talk to Tyler Huntley and stuff, and he's very confident. And that's a you know that's something to hang your hat on. But you know we haven't seen Zach Moss. We haven't seen a lot of these these guys, uh, Francis Bernard, whatever. But Manny Bowen's another guy that maybe comes to mind that's participating, that's making a name for himself. What have you seen up there? What's your observation? Do you feel like uh, there's a lot of optimism, or do you think it's just hard to gauge? Spring football is interesting. I know it's not a it's not everybody's favorite thing, but but it's interesting because they're all working on their fundamentals. They're all working on technique. They're all working on stuff that isn't the most interesting for football fans. And I don't know if there's a lot of takeaways you can take away from that because you're not going to have a lot of guys make these leaps and secure jobs. Like nobody's going to secure a starting position in the spring. Right. It's going to happen in fall practice. So I know like every player I've talked to, every coach I've talked to, they're mostly pleased with what's happening because it's just it's learning. They're all learning new systems or they're getting better at the old ones. So I don't know if there's a ton of huge takeaways from spring spring ball. Obviously, like Kyle said many times to you and other reporters, offensive line is an issue and linebacker is an issue and those aren't going to be resolved in spring anyway. If they're going to fix those, those are going to come in fall. Spring football is interesting. Well, one of the more intriguing stories, obviously, is Cameron Rising. You had a chance to uh, catch up with him and talk to him, do a story. Um, still don't know if he's going to be eligible for next season or not. And that, that kind of played a role in spring ball because they couldn't give reps to him. Yeah not knowing if he's going to play this fall. But you talk to him, even if he doesn't play this year, he's excited 
excited to be here, isn't he? He is, and I do feel like he's going to be, he's for sure going to be in competition with Jason Shelley next year, and it'll be interesting to see which one of them wins that quarterback job, because we've already seen Jason Shelley can play quarterback in the Pac-12. He already has won big games in the Pac-12, took him to the Pac-12 championship game, so it'll be interesting to see how that battle turns out, but that's so far in the future, and right now Ute fans have Tyler Huntley, and after them they have an experienced Jason Shelley, so I feel like quarterback of all the positions, except for maybe running back, Ute fans should be pumped for, because that is as good and as deep a position as they have. Right, and you know, if Zach Moss comes back 100%, and uh, you know, they're able to fill those other spots, especially find some wide receivers and catch the ball on a consistent basis. With Andy Ludwig's uh, new offense, I think we're going to see some wrinkles, but you know, I don't know about you, but these last two scrimmages, you know, they were supposed to see a glimpse of the Andy Ludwig <laughs> offense and didn't see much. It looked pretty vanilla to me. It did, and I hesitate to imagine, even though it's always the goal when a new offensive coordinator comes to Utah, the offense is just going to be prolific, and that's just never the case under Kyle Whittingham, and I can't imagine it's going to be the case again. I'm sure they'll be good on offense, but I don't know if the prolific, high-flying offense everybody wants to see is, is ever going to be a thing. Yeah, and, and especially year one. Yeah. You know, it might be something that builds up to it, but like you said, I don't think, you know, they're able to do that in the Mountain West. They're able to build this offense that could put up, you know, 40-plus points with Alex Smith and, you know, then again with Brian Johnson and that, yeah. but I don't know, like I said, in the Pac-12 if that's even possible, and obviously, you know, uh, Utah has been pretty good at running the football, too, so why stick, you know, why abandon that? Yeah, and I got him to the Pac-12 championship game. Exactly. And I think the only, obviously, the big thing there was they only scored three points in said championship game. A little more offense may have put them in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, a little more. That's all they need. That's it. Hey, uh, anything surprise you this spring? You know, not really. There's nothing that really jumped out a ton about the team this spring. Because like I said, I mean, it's pretty vanilla. Spring's all about the basics. And so there wasn't anything that was really crazy about spring football. And the new coaches, uh, Colton Swan and uh, Sione, have kind of fit right in. Yeah. They feel like Utah people. The moment you talk to them, they feel like Utah football and that they've been in Utah football their whole careers. Spring football game coming up Saturday. That's going to be kind of a washdown version, too, because the ones aren't going to see a little or maybe no time at all or a little. Um, Does that matter, or do you think this is all about getting the twos and threes some opportunity to show what they can do? Yeah, and I think the spring football game is it's all about just hype and right. excitement for the fan base and that's every spring football game in college football is all about just getting people talking throughout the long break of summer and so I think being able to see these players who maybe won't contribute but you might think they will is a discussion point for fans I think that's what the spring game is all about Do you think it makes a difference now? I mean the Pac-12 network is coming to broadcast the game do you dumb things down because everybody in the league is going to be watching to see what you can do or do you put a few things in there to get their heads scratched and say boy they tried this in the spring game I wonder if they'll try it against us or do you think it just doesn't matter you know that is a that's in a debate in of its in and of itself. It kind of bugs me when coaches hold stuff back because they want to prevent other teams from seeing what they're going to do. Right. Because that only benefits you maybe one game in the year when people don't know what right. you're doing, it's and then you after come that, out the season opener and yeah. show everything. Or... And then after that, they know pretty much everything you're going to do. And I mean, Kyle's been here for so long; it's not like the team's going to be completely different. Right. And so, in a game like the spring game, I don't know why you wouldn't want to have fun with it. But I do know that football coaches, in particular, don't like to show 
show their cards, even though I personally think it's kind of dumb. Well, what would we do after season openers if we didn't ask, did you open the whole playbook today? <laughs> Nobody would have any questions. Exactly. What would we do? <laughs> hey, let's uh, moving on. Let's jump over to the Red Rocks. Uh, they made it to another national uh, meet. How about filling us in what's going on and, and tell us what you think the odds of them winning a championship are? Yeah, I mean, they uh, they just made it through the regionals, the new regional format. So they finished top. They finished first in their first regional and they finished top two in their second. So they advanced. Okay. So now they're in the elite eight, essentially, though it's not called that because of trademark issues and stuff like that. It's interesting. Their semifinal, which is four teams, is all against teams they've already faced this year. They're one and four against those teams this year. Well, that's not good. No, because they're it's UCLA, who's number two in the country, LSU, who's number three in the country, and then Michigan, who's number six in the country. And they beat Michigan at Michigan this year. The two times they faced UCLA, they scored their highest scores of the year, but UCLA is just... Tom Farden they're, called them a freight train that nobody's going to stop. Loaded, they're fantastic. LSU, I think they could beat. They've, they haven't had a good meet against LSU this year, so I think they could beat them. So I think there's a chance that they can make it to the, the final four, essentially, the four on the floor, the championship meet. I don't think they can four win. on the floor, I think you came up with something No, cooler. that's what they've called it. Oh, I, don't, I, can, I, I can't take credit that for you. that. Okay. But uh, I think they can get there. I don't think they can win it because I don't think they can beat UCLA. I don't think anybody can beat UCLA. But I think they could get to be one of the top final four teams in the country. Which would be, would would you call that a successful season? Oh, for sure. Considering how good UCLA is? For sure. And considering the recent pass for Utah, they haven't finished that high since 2015 when they were runners up. And so it'd be a step in the right direction. I think they could finish top three if they made it to the final four because of who's on the other side of the bracket. All right. Well, hey, we're moving right along. It must be spring. Spring, huh? Let's uh, jump in and talk about baseball's off to a, a one and eleven start in Pac-12 play. The softball team's two and seven. Those sports are traditionally strong sports for the Pac-12, obviously with the warm weather schools and that. Any cause for concern you think with the slow starts by baseball and softball? I mean. Utah, as a state, is not really known for baseball and softball, as far as I am aware of. It's not the it's not the thing here. They don't talk about in Florida how good the baseball is <laughs> no. in Utah. <laughs> no, they don't. And so I don't know how much concern there is because I don't know how much import those sports carry in people's lives. I, I mean, obviously, people who play it care a lot, and I know people who do love baseball. Most of my family who lives in Utah are diehard baseball fans, and they'd be really upset at me saying baseball doesn't matter. Right. And I love baseball, but it doesn't feel like it has the importance maybe at the college level here. So I don't know how much I'd say that it matters that they aren't having a great start to the year. But you know, the cool thing is in 2016, the baseball team won the first men's Pac-12 title for the University of Utah. And there's that's in yeah, stone. Which that's is, never going to go away. It yeah. will never go away. And it's still incredible to think about. But I don't know. I don't know what the expectations were for Utah baseball this year anyway. So I don't know how far removed they are from those expectations. Yeah, you know, they've had a lot of tough games this year. And I think they thought they not necessarily in the mix to be at the top, but somewhere in the middle of the pack and I think they're a little disappointed to be where they are right now. But there's still a lot of baseball left to play, so they can climb back in the middle of the pack. That's true. Or whatever. But, uh, um, you know, uh, I was going to ask about the uh, hire at BYU of Mark Pope. Do you think that uh, affects the rivalry at all? Do you think think Alex Jensen, the former Ute uh, jazz assistant, was ever seriously considering going to BYU? I mean, they interviewed him, and so I don't think you interview unless you're kind of serious about it. I know some people do love to interview just for interviewing's sake, but I, I, don't, do. know if, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a basketball coach thing. Um, I think it would have been more interesting had Alex Jensen been hired because it would have added another wrinkle to the rivalry. I think Mark Pope will probably be a great coach there, but he doesn't really add anything for Utah-BYU's rivalry. Right, and unless it's the fact that maybe both teams are get better. Yeah. And uh, you know that'll involve, obviously, 
obviously we talked earlier about the, what the youths need to do to get better, and it looks like personnel might be everything. You know, you get better players, you should have better success. And then uh, with BYU, Mark Pope uh, obviously be brought in with that same expectation, and he'll raise the bar at BYU and bring some better players in. And, and the hope is that if one of the schools gets great at basketball, the other will come with them because they're so connected as programs. Right. But And, you know, I know you grew up in Florida and that, but, you know, those of us that grew up here in Utah, you know, Utah and BYU – it's just weird going several years now without them being in the NCAA tournament yeah. or being all that competitive uh, on a national scale. So it'd be nice to see that get fixed. So, yeah. Hey, uh, before we go, we have our Utah by five segment. I had a chance to catch up with Kyle Whittingham about this weekend's game. They're going to help out the Hayes Tough Foundation, the foundation that was formed by former Ute Steve Tate, who lost his son Hayes to pediatric cancer. And uh, we'll play that for you now. I'm Tom Barberi, and it's time for Utah by five. Will we catch up with the people who built the program we love? Well, we're joined here in our Utah by Five segment by Coach Kyle Whittingham. Kyle, thanks for joining us. No problem, Appreciate it. Um, let's talk about the red and white game this weekend. You kind of got a twist to it. Uh, can you tell us what's going on? Yeah, we're, uh, you know, pediatric cancer awareness is, is the theme for the game and trying to to uh, do everything we can to support that. And the, the Hay Strong Foundation, obviously, Steve Tate, uh, one of our former players who, who went through that uh, just tragic time with his son and, and lost his son ultimately and we're just trying to uh, raise awareness you know height, heighten the awareness of, uh, of the community and and uh, it's uh, you know something that our players are excited about and uh, we hope it uh, goes well if we talked before but you've uh, coached 500 plus guys in your career and that and I know you like to keep in touch with a lot of them Steve Tate was one of those special hometown guys wasn't he he was and he uh, you know coming out of skyline high school uh, we weren't uh, smart enough to recruit him out of high school. He ended up going to Utah State right? and then uh, went on an LDS mission. And when he got back, uh, we had seen the light and, and he had seen the light and wanted to, to uh, you know, when we found out that he was interested in coming down, of course, we went through all the proper procedures and that type of thing. But but uh, very, very fortunate that he ended up on our football team, uh, had an outstanding career as a Ute and has been a great ambassador for the program ever since he left. I'm sure you feel the pain that people who close to him did when he lost his son and that. This just feels good this weekend, doesn't it, to be able to give back a little bit? It does. It does. And, and uh, that's, you know, we're in a position as a, you know, in the spotlight in the community to to do things like that and help out where we can and give back where we can. Our players do a great job of that all year long. We try to keep it under the radar. You know, we don't... uh you know, make it. Uh, we don't announce our you know, all the things our players are doing, but trust me, they're doing good things uh, behind the scenes and, and trying to give back to the community as, as much as they possibly can. Then Saturday, just maybe talk about the scrimmage a little bit. You, you mentioned that the ones probably see little or no action. Um, what do you want to get out of the game? Itself? Well, want to see some of these young guys who haven't played much football at this level uh, in as you know, game like a situation as we can create. Uh, see how they respond and see who can make plays and see see who. Uh, you know, rises to the occasion, and, and uh, you know that's really the, the most important thing that we're going to try to determine is is those younger guys who's who's going to be ready to help us out in the fall. And then uh, it's the end of spring ball, and that after recruiting the season, is this kind of do you get a time to catch your breath and have a little vacation? Well, or we, we roll right into spring recruiting. Now that's a, that's a. A relative statement because the head coaches are not allowed to, to go on the road, but our assistant coaches uh, are on the road uh, the very next week after spring football ends. Uh, I'm you know just doing the things here in the office, interviewing players and the exit interviews and that type of thing, and, 
and uh, so it's not as demanding for me. I wish I could go out. I, right. I wish the rule was different, but but uh, that's what it, what the rule is right now. So, but uh, you know, recruiting is the lifeblood of your program. So I've said that probably 500 times since I've been been here in Utah, and it's it's absolutely true. And so our guys are going to go out, and, and uh, you know, we've already got a great start on the 2020 class, but but uh, just continuing to evaluate and uh, you know work through the process and and uh, determine who are the guys that we're going to target to recruit. When do you and your guys get a little break? Uh, July. Yeah, July okay. is the time that, that the coaches uh, can go ahead and get with their families and, and get away. And, and uh, you know, we try to – and there's periods of time during the course of the year that, that we try to break free as well and give, give them some downtime. But, but the, uh, you know, the bulk of the downtime is in July. All right, very last thing. On Saturday, you usually get a lot of alums come to play in the flag football game and that. I imagine it's fun to see these guys every year, isn't it? It is, and uh, we've got a lot of, so many of our players like to stay connected with the program, which I think speaks well to their experience here and, and how they've, you know, their, their, their memories of, of being a Ute and, and uh, their time here, and, and uh, it's always great to see those guys. And, you know, I can't possibly connect with all of them every year because there's so many, but, but uh, we have a golf tournament the day before the spring game that uh, we get about 120 former players out to and it's really a good time kyle thanks for joining us. okay you got it all right we're back we appreciate kyle whittingham spending a few moments with us to discuss that and talk about the spring game if you get a chance to show up they are asking people to wear gold in honor of the uh, hayes tough foundation so be fun for the red and white game to put a little gold in the middle of that and have some fun uh Again, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Just a reminder, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever fine podcasts are had. Check out DeseretNews.com for the latest on the Utah Utes. And again, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you later.